Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 13th Year Podcast. It's the 13th episode. I'm Tim McCory. And I'm Jack Selvin. So, uh, it's been a very, very busy week on my end. Uh, talking to Jack doesn't seem like, you know, you, you haven't really been up to too much over there. Oh, no. I have maybe like one semi-eventful thing that's happened to me in the past week. It's been a lot of uh, just not doing much did a few target shifts here and there yeah uh did a meeting but that was pre- i mean that's pretty much it uh i guess my meeting was uh the one eventful thing i uh the thing that i've kind of mentioned a few times on the podcast but didn't want to delve too much into just because it wasn't in concrete and still kind of in the works is um my internship which seems like it's pretty much set in stone at this point uh so i'll be doing an internship uh with uh in brian kavanaugh's office who's a state senator uh from uh the city kind of manhattan area but also in other districts uh just kind of his district takes up a few different uh bureaus so but so yeah i'll be doing work there starting uh january into the end of session, so like late March, early April. Uh, so that's so I met with the uh, legislative director the other day. Uh, I'd previously met with the chief of staff, but this was kind of the final meeting. Just kind of ended it with, "Well, kind of contact you more as January approaches uh, around Christmas time." So uh, that's pretty much all i've been doing uh, i know you had a lot more uh, stressful of a week uh, especially around our release date uh, on tuesday which is why uh, this past episode was a little late uh, so what have you been up to uh what's been going on in the office what yeah the development it, how's your spanish <laughs> it's been a very very busy week um as you said, the newest podcast was uploaded a, just a tiny, tiny bit late. It's a great episode, though. Anyone that hasn't listened to it, I would definitely recommend it. I one, one of my favorites so far, um, but it was a little long. Worth, yeah, worth the time investment for sure. Um, so anyway, the big thing why tid this week was uh, so big was it was the end of kind of phase one of the main project that I'm here doing. So um, since I've been here, some new projects have have. Uh, come up, which is very exciting. But the main reason I came here um, was to work on the 10 houses that we're going to put in in February and March. And on Tuesday, we had a meeting, uh, a presentation where after taking, after doing the social media, TV, radio campaign and getting 200 applicants, uh, organizing, then calling 80 and then visiting uh, almost 25, um, we presented the top 25 that we visited in what we thought was the order based on both medical, socioeconomic, and energy need. And then me and uh, my partner here presented on Tuesday uh, in like a, on a stage with a slideshow on a screen with a group of doctors, administrators, and community leaders here to make it the most democratic kind of selection process. Um, and it went really well. It was uh, very stressful, as you can imagine, presenting in Spanish. Um, I mean, I was thinking like, even if I was in New York and in it, 
presenting in a room full of professionals, it would have also just been stressful. But obviously, not, not speaking the language doesn't help with that. But it yeah. fortunately went very well. Um, it was a great discussion. Like the doctors and all the people were standing up and in, in deep discussion, and it really felt like we made a lot of progress in kind of confirming what we had and making adjustments to make it um, really fair and democratic selection process. So it went really well and I'm really happy about that and definitely was a, a source of a little bit of stress, but glad it's over and glad that it went well. And uh, so now that you've picked the 10 houses, how long is it going to be until like, is there going to be kind of a lull between now and when you're actually installing them or like what are you going to be doing between now and the physical installation yeah so there's still some stuff to do um now that we've actually picked them we need to still assess um the energy load to make sure that based on their energy needs uh, a solar system with the battery backup makes sense and would actually be able to help them got to go around with the julio the solar expert here to see how feasible it is with the roof and then obviously with the aforementioned load and that process probably shouldn't take too long we'll just be visiting the 10 places and doing some tests um but fortunately with some of the other projects that have arisen uh those will be taking up a lot of my time and i will be fortunately staying very busy and uh it sounds like you were also busy yesterday uh, oh yeah yesterday was a weird there. day so i was expecting that after you know the main presentation Today's Thursday, uh, so yesterday was the day after the presentation. I was expecting it to be a little bit more of a relaxing day, and so I sleep in a little little later, maybe get up at like 9, and I'm in the office, and I was expecting that I didn't have anything to do until the coming Saturday, where I'll be going to spend a week in San Juan, and there's a there's a group of students here who are doing, they're like doing a thesis project on uh, solar power and independent energy production here on the island from UPR, the University of Puerto Rico, Rio Piedras, which is the main campus in San Juan. And they like asked me to do an interview. I'm like, I'm not fit to, like they came for me. They, they in did, Spanish? Well, well I'll, get, I'll get to that in a second. So they came with the intention of interviewing me and the partner. They called us a couple of weeks ago and I totally didn't think it was something where they were going to come and interview us in person. But they came, they interviewed the director here and then, asked me to do it and I, I could have done it in Spanish but they were like but I was kind of like caught up in the moment I was like you know what they're like you can do it in English too we'll just put subtitles on and I thought that was probably the best way to articulate myself and not look like a complete fool so it was an English interview but it was it was like big camera in front of me like lights around you know like an actual sat down interview set up I was like mic'd up it's like Total. I was like expecting that just the most relaxing day, and I go downstairs and they're like, "Here you are. We're gonna do an interview. No preparation, but it went really well." And I, I was thinking afterwards, I was like, "I was like, I w never would have expected an interview to go that well." And I think one of the reasons was from doing the podcast that you kind of speak in a way where uh, you're you're explaining yourself, knowing that other people will be listening. Yeah. So it was literally like doing the podcast and it was one of the benefits of the podcast. I was like, I did not see this coming where like a legit interview, I thought I would have been, would have bombed it, but it went really well. And right after I was like, 
I feel like I was on the 13th year with Jack. Jack was by my <laughs> side helping me out here. So, so it went really well. And I look forward to see what happens with that. But, and then the other thing, um, uh, someone from like the NYU uh, media, NYU publications, you know, loose, loosely associated with the school or something, I don't know, reached out yeah. and is doing a, a audio radio program um, soon and wanted me to interview some people that have solar systems and talk about the benefits of it um, and involvement with the organization here the utility, all the problems surrounding that. So my supposed to be a relaxing couple of days before I leave turned into a whole lot of things. And this new project tomorrow, we are visiting houses and interviewing people with audio recordings and then going to translate it for this lady in New York. So the relaxing days that I was hoping for did not, doesn't look like they're coming <laughs> to fruition. No, but, but it's been really good. And I have no complaints staying busy and doing this, cool stuff has been really nice and uh the coming week i'll be in san juan's family is coming to visit so we'll have a week you know in like total touristy zones and it should be really nice but one of the other problems was finding a way to get to san juan um my plan of just seeing what happens um again worked out but it was fortunately before really any stress kicked in but today we're trying to find a way calling people getting like connecting through all networks like is there someone i can pay and i find on i think it was reddit a post from 10 years ago where they had this phone number of a person that will drive you from ponce to san juan so me and no um, way me and my partner sat down and we called the number and they're like uh yeah we'll drive 35 bucks so it's like a three-hour car ride for 35 bucks and i was ready to pay like a shuttle service like 120 130 for it so yeah I, so i it's gonna be like a van full of other people who are getting this like cheap way between cities but that's gonna happen on saturday so it should be fun and things are just working out really well nice well it's a good thing the uh interview didn't or the interviewers from the university didn't like uh kind of pressure you into speaking spanish because especially with that presentation the other day you're probably a little burnt out yeah i think i think it would have worked out fine and it probably would have been good in terms of my putting myself in situations where i'm learning and like oh yeah in that sense but if i'm really trying to articulate my thoughts um being able to explain rather than a simplified version and then translating it is, is probably the probably the best way to go yeah definitely i agree so uh, that will wrap up part one of uh episode 13 uh we decided to keep it kind of short and we hope you enjoy part two with our friend peter Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the second half of the 13th episode of the 13th Year Podcast. We are delighted to have Peter join us from Stony Brook, New York. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Timmy? Good to see you. Things are going really well. Happy happy to have you on. Thank you. Happy to be on. So so typically, for the, the first portion of the inter- interview here, we'll just, just ask, you know, what are you studying? What are you up to? What school? You know, what's, the, what's life looking like right now? Cool. So um, <clears throat> I'm a physics major, so I'm taking physics, math, 
I decided that I'm going to minor in comp sci. So I'm taking an algorithms course, or sorry, a data structures course right now. Um, I'm also taking a really cool course called Search for Life in the Universe, which looks at, uh, it, it's like a scientific approach at looking for aliens. But in general, school's going well. Um, just takes up a ton of time, obviously. My, my schedule's pretty packed. Then I, I started wrestling a couple weeks ago um, in the, the club here at Stony Brook. Stony Brook doesn't have like NCAA-sanctioned wrestling, so they have their own. Uh, there's actually another league called NCWA, mm-hmm. so I, our team's a part of that. But it's still uh, four or five practices a week. Uh, we go to tournaments, so that's... That's been very fun, but at the same time, obviously, very time-consuming. But I guess, and any any specifics you want me to? Should I go and get into? Uh, just... Well, I was just wondering. Like, I remember from high school you being a very successful wrestler. So, like, what kind of offers? Because I imagine you were getting at least some level of offers from like other schools. Were you getting, and what made you kind of? Uh, pass on those offers to go to a school that didn't really have NCAA wrestling? Yeah. So that's a a great question. Um, It was actually like a really large uh, dilemma I had while choosing which school I was going to go to because I had Lehigh and Virginia Tech, two of which are very good uh, wrestling schools. Like, I'm pretty sure Virginia Tech was almost top 10 in the country for wrestling. And I had, I mean, both the coaches had wanted to be on the team. I'd got it, got into both schools. And um, it was, and, but, but then also I had gotten into Stony Brook and Stony Brook's research program for physics is just like, one of one of the best in the united states for for theoretical physics for nuclear physics they're just i for nuclear physics they're like third in the country and it was just the decision between and those three schools were my main three considerations based on those aspects and it it was a really hard choice to make but in in the end i decided that I probably won't be able to fully commit to, to D1 wrestling. And I don't know if I really wanted to do that either way because it's yeah. huge time commitment, huge um, lifestyle commitment, uh, very, very stressful. And then on top of that, uh, with school, with, with the course load that I have now, it's like tough to even go to, to these wrestling practices that I have. So um, I definitely, I don't know if I'd, I'd say regretted my choice of Stony Brook for the first couple of weeks, but I was upset. I mean, I saw the athletes, I, knowing that I'm, I could be wrestling at Virginia Tech or at Lehigh right now, 
was hard, but I at a certain point I got over it and now I'm I'm just loving the the school aspect. And and at the same time the team here is great even though it's not NCAA, I'm still wrestling. So at the end of the day that's all that matters for me. Yeah, you yeah. you chose chose academics which is probably the smarter decision to make. And yep. also like what's the uh uh, level of like scholarship money that they usually allocate to wrestlers like it's not really one of those money makers so my guess is that schools wouldn't really put scholarship money towards that but what's the case there exactly like um the, the i'm trying to remember exactly what it is but i think teams get something like three full scholarships per roster or three or four and obviously they're not all full scholarships, they break them up. So they'll have like a certain amount of quarter scholarships or an amount of whatever. Um, and freshmen very rarely get scholarships. Freshmen actually almost always red shirt, like for most sports, but for wrestling yeah. specifically, like it's, it's almost unheard of, of someone um, competing their freshman year. So they obviously don't get a scholarship if they're not competing. But usually the way it works is you you get on the team, you um, and then you make a name for yourself, and then based on that you get a scholarship. Or there are obviously exceptions, but you just get on the team and right away you're wrestling successfully and you get a scholarship from that right away. But for me, the the latter definitely would have been the case, um, because I I'm I'm not at the level to to compete as a freshman in NCA to at, at a level high enough to get a scholarship. But when I was considering it, I was considering going in, obviously training hard enough so that at a certain point when I was uh, maybe sophomore, well, act, like wrestling sophomore, so junior, senior, uh, academic standing, maybe at that point I w- would have gotten a scholarship. So that was another consideration because I got um, at Stony Brook, I got an academic scholarship, which I didn't at either of those schools. And on top of that scholarship, Stony Brook was already much uh, less State expensive. Tuition, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so aside from obviously classes in wrestling, is there, you know, that's not leaving too much free time, but what, what are you doing in the rest of that time? So, yeah, I mean, I'm an active member of the astronomy club, which is really cool. Um, we so so far, unfortunately, there haven't been too many viewing sessions because the sky down here in Long Island, over by New York City, isn't the the clearest at night. <laughs> but when there are viewing sessions, it's awesome. Um, but j- just learning about the astronomy, especially from my astronomy class that I am taking combined with going to the astronomy club meetings um, that that's just been really awesome I'm actually considering minoring in astronomy now based on my experiences with with the club and with the class I'm taking I'm also pretty active member of the spike ball club although I, I haven't been able to go as much as I'd like to but the first few weeks I was going to all the tournaments they'd uh they'd have intramural tournaments pretty often yeah, uh, just just great group of kids. Everyone super 
excited about spike ball crazy about spike ball i'd say but and and i'd say you are also pretty crazy about spike ball exactly so so it was perfect i found i found my crew i i wish i could go more but obviously with the winter it's colder and it i have finals coming up so it's i really don't have that much free time right now so hopefully in the spring i'll be able to do a lot more of that there's also uh the society of physics students um and all sorts of different fun one yeah it's it's actually pretty interesting like uh one of the meetings I went to was on how to build a nuclear bomb. And <laughs> and the it was pretty much a professor just discussing like straight face how how one would go about building a nuclear bomb. I think the funniest part of that meeting was when um well it's pretty dark, but he he was putting together his his team of like specialists and he chose a to he chose the picture for his strategist to be some um i think like the boston bomber or something it was just just awful but i just i just thought that was so funny that's the moment where you gotta like pick up your phone and just start spitting out some russian yeah (laughs) that's actually another thing i've met a lot of russian speakers here really like like to the point that it's not even a it like does a make a deal, cool. really. Yeah. But those are the main things, really. Um, just meeting a bunch of new people, a bunch of really, really different people. Because um, of how close Stony Brook is to the city, there's lots and lots of immigrants. Well, obviously, it, immigrant children and lots of exchange students. So it's, I, I really like the community here on campus. Yeah, that that's really good to hear. And so you were talking about this a little bit before we started recording how you've actually been traveling a little bit as well. So what's that consist of? So yeah, I mean, um I being so close to the city and so close to Penn Station subsequently, it's I have a lot of opportunity to travel cuz trains from Penn Station go practically anywhere. So, but also just being next to the city um, which is has literally anything you could possibly want going on constantly. Yeah, uh, I, I go down there a lot with my friends. Just honestly, just walking around the city is really fun. Um, I went to Delaware with some friends, the University of Delaware, to visit my friend uh, Raul's uh, friends from his high school that go there. Went to University of Virginia to go to a concert with my friend Colden. Just, um, it. I don't know. It's just it's just fun going around all over the place. I visited Staten Island a couple times because uh, I have a really good friend Nat who lives there, and Manhattan. Actually, another friend Nat who lives in Manhattan. So I visited her, and in, in general, I just. It's been really weird for me to meet such a large variety of different people that I haven't been accustomed to, like living in Niskayuna previously. It, it's a very cultured yeah. place, it sounds like. Yeah. But then again, definitely. even Niskayuna, I mean, has a pretty high, uh, like the diversity is way higher than you'd expect. Well, 
the diversity is way higher. But if you look at like the the like I guess diversity of ideals, it's I feel yeah, like it's well a lot of that it's very it's high helped. educated and very high exactly. uh, economically the same as well. So exactly. Yeah. So so just meeting all sorts of different people from all different backgrounds, both economic, economic, both educational, geographic, hearing their stories, learning about them. It's been really actually, I've, I think I've learned a lot about myself just by meeting all these different people over the past few months. So that's been great. Yeah. So, so one thing I've noticed kind of on your, your public appearance is you've been very active on the social media uh politics so yeah i mean actually it's interesting that you mentioned that because i think that i i'd like to think of myself as not active politically but more active morally ethically okay i guess because i sort of burned out with politics a while ago just with with all the events especially January 6th it was really hard for me to deal with all that going on and um so I sort of I had to distance myself because I was I was stressing way too much I was just putting way too much emotion into into something that unfortunately I have no real large-scale influence on yeah but Lately, but specifically what you're talking about is um, like, I guess, wealth distribution. That, uh-huh. That's been my main theme lately. Um, I don't know. I just, I've always believed in uh, not just equality, but equity. And I think that um, just unfortunately that the way that our world works today, um, that the only real way to have actual equality is for people to be able to vote in in the way that our world works and and the only real voting that counts is voting with your money i i think because if you look at um what if you look at all the uh i guess biggest human developments um throughout uh human history Unfortunately, they have been the ones, in general, backed by the most money. And if, if you look at just capitalism in itself and look at different uh, how companies are gain support and also how companies are, how you can fight against companies that are unjust by um, not supporting them economically or financially, I think that the just looking at how that works, the, the only real outcome is for the only real fair outcome is for everyone to be able to have the same influence on supporting or choosing not to support a company. And I think that in, in a perfect world, if everyone did have the same influence, um, then our, our corporations would be kept much more in check than they are now. And I think that just in general, the standard of living would be much higher. Yeah. It's it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago we did, uh, like we'll we'll try to throw in a little bit of some current events that are happening. Not try not to make it too too big of a subject, but we we're talking about how the wealth tax is something that is being talked about a lot, and how 
in a lot of senses it's very difficult to execute and doesn't make a lot of sense but like in theory it makes almost too much sense so it's just funny because like a problem like that it's like so complicated and there's not an easy solution which is seems to be the theme jack is that we're always just ending any point with it's so complicated and there doesn't seem to be a solution but well i i think uh kind of the issue is that you almost exclusively talk pragmatically and practically which is really important but usually when you're having like uh more hypothetical like very very long-term goals it's usually more kind of uh not so pragmatic more uh ideological yeah well i think i so I, feel like I think i try to filter my I, I think i try to filter myself a lot and don't actually give out too many harsh opinions yeah i mean it's hard yeah it's, it's difficult especially in our political climate but i mean yeah like even on here we'll after every episode we'll talk and figure out what points need to be cut out because you know you know jack jack's looking like he'll probably go into some kind of politics don't want anything well <laughs> actually i yeah. can i can pretty safely kind of announce here although i'll probably talk about it in the first half anyways but uh i am interning in a, a state senator's uh office and i'll be starting this january for this upcoming session so so there we go so don't awesome. don't say Congrats. anything too bad no i i won't <laughs> but we can't we well, can't associate here, bad I, with jack if if all three of us if you could implement one policy that you think could make a lot of difference and it doesn't throw like pragmatism like out the window like what would it be um so that's a, a great question i i is there a certain problem that we're trying to confront here or whatever certain... you think is the most important like me personally i would say ubi yeah that's a a, a very good starting spot and obviously there's i think that there are a lot of different ways to approach wealth inequality I think that obviously a tax is the the first step. Like if you look at the wealth distribution in the United States, you you graph um, the you, you make a bar graph with with percentage um, with like percent ranking on the x axis and on the y axis bars corresponding to how much money people have. It the the one percent bar, it you can't even fit it on on the bar graph. If if you if you actually make a bar graph to scale with the one percent bar, you practically can't see anyone else. So I think I think that that is a, a very good starting point because that's a lot of resources that are so concentrated to to one group of people, and I I just don't think that it's it's possible that that group of people actually deserves those resources. So I think I think a good starting point is, as as silly as it sounds, as simple as it sounds, just just taxing the rich, like taxing the one percent, making it so that and and but a problem that does come up with that is as you mentioned, I think Timmy, um, that it's it's very hard to to tax the rich, um, and and one of the reasons why that is is because the United States has actually been uh, the auditing um, section of our government has been um, getting cut 
over the years. We, we do not have enough auditors to even go and count the wealth of certain individuals. That's why, for example, our um, former president from 2016, uh, why he has been under audit for years. They, they cannot count how they cannot count what he has. They cannot count with the resources that they have what he has. So they cannot even determine how many taxes he can pay. It is, it's such an absurd loophole and it's, it's just so Kafkaesque to, to think of, of that, that all, all of us normal everyday citizens are every single penny is counted and, and, a lot of people have uh, trouble counting their own money and figuring out how much to pay in tax and end up getting uh, seriously messed up and, and sometimes even going to prison over something that could be seen as a, an honest mistake while these members of the, the 1% aren't, they're, they're not even getting so many other loopholes. Like, Count. If you look at how much liquid exactly. like cash someone has, it's usually very little. And any income that uh, like billionaires are making, it's their only income is just like uh, they're borrowing against the money they have invested in places. So technically, they don't have any like uh, real income. So like, there's all those different yeah. things that that it's it's just such like to tax a one time tax people argue is the best way to do it because if it's not, if it's anything more than a one-time tax, people will move out and find more complicated loopholes. But even when you do tax, it's like, where are they going to get that money from? In most cases, they either sell investments or borrow the money. And that does, that will, would create its own problems as well. So like that's, that's one that uh, like, as I've had some time to explore some, things that I think are important to know about. I've been reading a lot about uh, like how a wealth tax makes sense. And it's just like, even the smartest people don't know how you would really execute it. But you're completely right that one of the main things is that a lot of the government is so underfunded, Department of Justice, IRS in general. And I, I think that's an interesting take. I I don't know. I think UBI would be interesting, but I don't know too much about that. Yeah. I, I think the problem with UBI is that it doesn't account for... Um, I mean, obviously, different people need different needs. And, and like a one base income may not cover the, the needs of certain people or may give people who don't necessarily need that money um, some additional money. I don't know. I, I haven't, I, I have to admit, I haven't looked into UBI too, too much. Yeah. I, but what do you think about I that? I mean, Jack? I just as like a one singular policy, I feel like UBI is if sometime in the future, and I feel like, you know, maybe probably 50, hundred years down the line, I feel like it could eventually get passed. I feel like it is like the perfect stepping stone, uh, to really get, at least a good chunk of the population, like kind of back on their feet. Um, and I, I think it's like just kind of one of the best ways to uh, at least jumpstart a more broad social safety net and uh, create a more 
uh, equal society overall. It, the hard part's coming up with the money, obviously, but that I said one policy for reason, just and pragmatism and whatnot. So, well, I'm I'm gonna side part a little bit because because you mentioned that that's that would just be one stepping stone, and that obviously UBI in its own wouldn't solve all of our, our all of the problems in our society today. But I think that personally, um, we need to put a lot more money into prevention rather than into um, active, uh, I, I can't find the word I'm looking for here, but what I'm talking about is, for Pre- example. Prevention instead of like crisis we, management. You, yeah. Exactly. So, so you look at, uh, there's two approaches to fighting crime in general. What one approach is to obviously make, give police stations huge budgets, uh, over hire police officers, um, send them out, try to stop as much crime as possible. But obviously at some point there's, there's a limit where it becomes purely totalitarian and to, to actually stop all crime is not really possible. I mean, think about all the, uh, the violations to our, our own rights that would happen if the government, uh, in, in, in like a purely theoretical world where the government could stop every single crime, they would have to know practically all the information about everyone. So it would be a constant surveillance state, whatever. There are endless problems with that, in my opinion. But I think that the, the real approach to stopping crime, the, the, the better approach, the one that in the end will end up causing a lot less crime from even happening in the first place, is attacking crime at its core. Why do people do crime? People commit crime because they, most of the time, they don't have the basic human resources that are needed to survive in our society today. People commit crime when they're uh, mentally unwell. All of those things can be um, prevented. We, we can fight uh, m- mental illness by helping, by increasing education budgets, by educating our um, ur- urban Americans, by going and in, 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 uh, increasing funding into healthcare. There, there are just so many ways that we can help people not yeah. want to commit crime that I feel like we should be focusing on those rather than on stopping people from w- when they have already decided to commit crime. Cause at that point it's too late. Just something kind of interesting with that analogy is that like, obviously you pointed out something that uh, us three, at least I hope we all know that like the correlation between poverty and uh, crime, poor people commit more crime, which is not, you know, it's because they don't have the resources, which is something that hopefully uh, UBI would kind of help solve. So kind of in that sense, it would actually be preventative, which is kind of the thing with UBI is that although it is kind of a Band-Aid, it would work as like a preventative measure for a lot of different things, kind of like that, which is why I think it's like it's such a great stepping stone because uh, poverty is 
the link to a lot of uh, problems. And if you at least minimize poverty uh, with something like UBI, then it would be preventative for a lot of those issues. Yeah, definitely. One concern sort of is if you look at like our healthcare system, for example, or our education system in the United States, they're both very grounded in uh, finance. Like you need, you, you have to get insurance oh, yeah. to, to, to even be eligible to like receive healthcare in certain situations. You have to pay large amounts of money to receive higher access to higher education. So I think that um, if we decide to target those problems by or with a UBI, which may be the starting point that we need, UBI may be the the catalyst to to the other policies that I'm talking about, or that that I think would need to be implemented in a in a I guess utopian society as as much as I'd like to avoid yeah. that word, yeah. but I guess that's that's what everyone's talking about when they're talking about politics. They want as good of a society as possible. But I think that even if everyone was given some sort of um, income, some sort of base income, I think that just how absurd our healthcare system is and how absurd our education system is in terms of pure money, I think those need to be changed at the core. Um, as well as many other systems, like for example, the like our criminal justice system, also very much based cash in bail. on how much money people have. Exactly, cash bail, uh, and not just that. Like you can, you hire a lawyer, who, I mean, there's there's a large correlation between the lawyer you hire and between how good. Uh, the the lawyers or how much money you spend on a lawyer and how good the lawyer ends up being in your case like i think all of those issues um even though ubi would help people who our who right now are are just completely disenfranchised by those um aspects of our society it would help them with them they'd maybe be able to afford better insurance maybe be able to afford better education. But I think that the, the end goal should be to change those uh, systems at, at their core because it's, it's, it's messed up that you have to pay to receive um, good health care. Like, for example, like why, why do 50% of new cancer patients in the United States lose their life savings? How how is that fair? That's that's just completely absurd, and and I think a vast majority of people would agree that that's absurd um, if they knew that yeah. statistic. But I, I just yeah, I, I definitely agree with all those. But like I was just talking about one policy. But yeah, if there was multiple, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I do sorry. agree with all of them. Say what you're gonna say, Tim. Uh, yeah. Well, with that, it's like it's such an obvious problem that like there's been attempts for it to be solved and people are against it and it makes absolutely no sense, but that's just the way things work. Uh, and also just kind of interesting about the um, cancer uh, patients and losing their life savings. It was kind of something I, when I was in Ireland in the UK that 
was actually brought up quite a bit when people learned that I was American or just heard my accent is uh, a lot of people in Europe are actually really worried to go to America. Like they should have will not visit out of worry that if they get hurt, they'll be spending just an insane amount of money to um, become healthy again or fix whatever. So people would just like, and also people would just hear your ass accent and would start talking about yeah, you, healthcare I'm, right I'm away? dead, not right away, but like, seriously, it would come up like way more than you'd think, even with, uh, just other people. Wow. And they were also like completely blown away with the idea that, uh, in the U S people will like willingly die as to not in debt their family members even more. Or like, like not call an ambulance. Yeah. Or not like, it's it blows their minds which is just kind of like a uh it makes you feel like you're living in some kind of dystopian society even though the u.s is like one of the yeah adam smith out here my (laughs) no adam smith was actually in favor of a lot of social uh safety nets so i think the biggest paradox is like how good america's like education and healthcare are like at, at the highest level. Like if you have the money, they are they're so advanced and, and can can do so so many crazy things that some other that a lot of other healthcare and education yeah. systems. Well, can't it, do. we have a really great healthcare system, and it works exactly the way it's designed to. It does. If you have money, well, it's an amazing healthcare. Exactly. It if works the way money, it's designed it's to. Like it's designed system. to make money. The, the overinflation of yep. every single medical procedure. An ambulance should never cost any multiple of, you know, any other vehicle that drives you around. Like, it's how much those drugs cost. It just, none of it makes any sense. And when you look at other places, it doesn't make any sense. But it was designed to work that way. And it works that way. And it benefits a lot of people. But detriments more people. Yeah. That's actually a really interesting thing I've noticed. Well, this is a bit of a tangent, but it's related. But looking at my college, like at, at university, at Stony Brook specifically, which is an example of a university that in general is um, v- pretty low cost. It's it's a public university. Um, it has a lot of financial support systems like, like most universities. But it's like the tuition is, I think, 27000 here which compared to a lot of other schools is, is very low, even a lot of other public schools. Like, for example, Virginia Tech was, um, I I think it was, I may be wrong, but I think it was 40000 and the the in-state tuition. That, that could be completely wrong. But what I'm getting at is that, like, on top of that tuition, it's wow. like the meal plan, that's an additional $2,000 that you are required to to get as a freshman and then on top of that all sorts of other like all the books you buy all the um i had to pay 90 dollars to be able to do my physics homework like i had to pay 90 dollars to have access to a website that um has my my physics homework problems and 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 that's just like absurd i'm i'm already students are already paying very large amounts of money to go to the university in the first place. And then on top of that, there are so many other auxiliary costs and 
that you don't necessarily factor in while first looking at the cost of the university, which I'm fortunately in, in my family's situation, we can afford it. And, and I am blessed to, to not have to worry much about that, but it's unfair that people who aren't in, in a situation such as myself, um, they have to constantly worry about how they're going to pay for their next book, how they're going to pay for their, to do their homework. And on top of how they're going to pay the tuition. Yeah. Of well, it's like the first place, all the places that have like a hundred percent, you know, need they'll fill all your need. You're still paying like $15,000 a year for everything else. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. That's how it goes. So, so one question that we've been trying to ask every guest, um, cause almost everyone has been a college university student is with your major in mind and kind of with your current headspace, I think you probably have a more definite answer than most. What do you want to be doing in a five to 10 year plan? So I, I mean, the default answer is probably quantum computing. Like that, that's, that's my just default my, answer my dream. <laughs> but I, I've just been fascinated with uh, the concept ever since I heard about it. But um, one thing I've, I've learned is that I I just like the process of, of getting a problem and of having to think to solve the problem. Like my, my comp sci class I'm taking now has been awesome because I wasn't able to take a class since 10th grade year, wasn't able to take a comp sci class since 10th grade year. And it's just, I, I've missed it so much. I, I love my physics class, my math class. It's, I, I enjoy it. it it's just, a bit too fast-paced but whatever fast-paced that, for peter meshkov but it's absurd it's a, a linear algebra based multivariable calc class and it and you're supposed to take this class the next semester i take a, a linear algebra based differential equations class and pretty much it's in two semesters you learn all of linear algebra all of multivariable calc and all of differential equations, which usually you're supposed to do over three semesters minimum. So, but whatever, I, I didn't mean to talk about that. But as long as I'm doing something with physics, I, or or maybe computer science, but hope hopefully physics, I'll be content. I I hopefully want to I want to do research. I want to contribute to the scientific community. I, um, I mean, the, the dream, my like wildest dreams would be to, to figure out how to solve a bunch of the problems with our, with developing quantum computers that are, that we have today. Um, and that, that would be awesome. But honestly, I understand that that's a pretty not unattainable but a very very wild dream so if i don't achieve that as long as i'm doing something with physics as long as i'm solving problems and i feel like i'm contributing to the world through uh scientific um expansion in some way i will be satisfied that's a that's a great answer that's a very very positive outlook thank you
it's I mean, honestly, the past few months have changed me a lot. I think if if you asked me this a couple of months ago, I would have said, oh, like I'm dead set on quantum computers. I want to go. I want to figure all this out. But I've realized that like the main thing that I like is just that that problem solving aspect, that that aspect of just feeling good at the end of the day because you did something that seemed impossible but it turned out to be possible so so with with physics and like a hard science you will likely have to get education beyond a four-year degree right yes although not necessarily but that that is my goal so so you're you know just about halfway done with your first year of many so you know what would you what would you say to yourself if you're listening to this in seven years time? So, if I'm talking to myself seven seven years, years from, from now, now, or if I'm well, isn't that how long it usually takes to get an advanced degree? Right. Yeah. So I guess. Hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd have a lot of questions. Obviously, I'd I'd be interested in what I was researching, hopefully. But I guess. I'd, I'd tell myself that no matter where I ended up, as long as I'm happy, as long as I'm solving problems and I feel like I'm making steps to maybe one day, uh, making steps that will one day allow me to contribute to the scientific community and the in a lasting positive way, I, I tell myself, great job, keep it up. And if I'm not doing that, um, maybe I decide to, to go into something else. Uh, Again, as long as I'm contributing in a positive way to, to society in general, as long as I'm helping people in some way or preparing myself to help people in some way, I, Keep it up, Peter. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I I thank you for for joining us. It's been really great talking to you. Seems like you're doing very well, which is great to hear. So just want to say thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. You too. It was great yeah, to talk. To great, you uh, great conversation. So that brings us to the end of the 13th episode of the 13th year. Make sure to check out the website abodemeeting.org. Thanks again, Peter. Thanks, Jack. And we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for having me, yeah. guys. Bye bye. Have a good one.